Hey friends, it's Andy. Welcome to our new show, Accelerate Expresso. Look, I mean, I know you're busy, and it's hard to keep up with all six of the great episodes we publish each week. So, with this show, Accelerate Expresso, we're going to deliver highlights from each episode from the previous week. And in the process, give you short, delicious shots of insight from a show you might have missed, and to help amp you up for the coming week. Now, before we jump into it, please remember to visit iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to subscribe to this podcast. And while you're there, leave a review, please, for Accelerate. We need your feedback to ensure that we keep delivering the high levels of value you expect. Okay, let's express it. First up on this week's Espresso from episode 519 is Andrew Sinclair. Andrew's the founder of Lane 4 Data. Lane 4 is an account-based sales and marketing application which bridges the gap between marketing automation and Salesforce. So we're going to talk about ABM, and even though ABM is an account-based strategy, we're also going to talk about what Andrew sees as the importance of leads in ABM. We fundamentally feel from our core that the account, and when I say account, I mean sort of capital A, Salesforce account record kind of idea. And that's your system of system of record for your account-based strategy, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where you've that's where you've gone out to various sales tools. You've discovered where these, you know, your, your top hundred or your top five thousand or whatever the number is, and they now reside there, and they, that's where they're mastered. So when you start getting into scenarios like uh, trying to pull that information into something that layers on top, uh, creating a play that may or may not be even in Salesforce, all this kind of stuff. You end up with these disjointed scenarios where you don't really know what's going on within that organization and that that account you're trying to target, which defies a lot of the logic that you're trying to get to with an account-based strategy. So, for example, for, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the reason being bolted sort of in the guts inside Salesforce tries to solve scenarios like I had a good working session with someone yesterday, where the problem was she was trying to figure out. What is, marketing's, what is marketing's influence on an opportunity, the big major account? What was the SDR's activity going on within the big major account? Uh, so how many meetings were they booking, et cetera, et cetera. The original deal came from a partner channel, uh, which has nothing to do with ABM kind of ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From partner channel was the original deal. The SDR actually prospected a subsidiary account, and then the deals got rolled into one. And then the AE owned the whole thing, right? So... These kind of real-world use cases need to be solved in, in various ways, and then you, you kind of have to build your tools within that ecosystem of information uh, to still be relevant to scenarios like that one. And why couldn't some of the others, you know, the, what I call the bolt-on, bolt-on tools, why couldn't they handle that? Well, they, they can. They just attempt to, uh, they attempt to write to the system. Kind of Ultimately, at the end of the day, you end up with every time you have a new data set, you've got new challenges to maintain these data sets. So... If you've got a mark, so for example, there's uh, some marketing systems are popping up with their own kind of idea of accounts, and that's really no longer the system of record for an account, right? So when, when as soon as one of those accounts becomes, say, a customer, well, Salesforce is the one that knows they're a customer, and if that if that information is still sitting in some other tool, well, that tool now has to find out they're a customer. So you've got a lag effect that ends up happening that just uh, is. Let's just say it's not as efficient as it could be, and then and then causes some problems of things like well, sending an email to a prospect uh, that's actually a customer. On Tuesday, in episode five twenty, I spoke with Matthew Sweezy. 
Matthew's an author, keynote speaker, and principal of marketing insights at Salesforce. Matthew and I had a great talk as we talked about the key trends in B2B marketing, and we get into some research he's done on what separates the high-performing marketers from the rest. I love the question. You're like, do you think that's true? Because <laughs> um, well, first off, no one's ever asked me that. Uh, everyone's just like, oh yeah, that they're they're a massive important people. This is what they say. We we must understand it's the truth. Well, yeah, I can go back and I, look at their predictions, and I'm sure I could catalog, you know, fill the Library of Congress with ones that were wrong, right? Yeah, just like yeah, every prediction. So, right. Um, so here, here's what I believe. I believe what we need to realize is first off the consumer first, right? We need to remove ourselves from this conversation and say, how does the consumer want to buy? What, what is the modern consumer decision-making process? And this is something I spend a lot of time and a lot of research on. Right. And by consumer, and, in this case, we're talking about B2B customers. Right. B2B customers. Right. And the modern consumer buying process is very different now. And so there is a large shift from, you know, how they get information and where they get information and how that information leads them down different paths. Right. right? So we can't downplay the the role of content in their buying process. Absolutely. Now, do I believe that a salesperson's job will ever be extinct? And the answer is no. And and I think I don't remember if that was Gardner or Forrester who, you know, Forrester. stated a year to yeah, Forrester that, you know, the the B2B salesperson's job will be extinct. Yeah, you're all going it's, away, it's, right? It's not. Right. Yeah. No no person will ever make a decision with that amount of risk involved. Right? A B2B decision has a massive amount of risk involved. Right, without talking to a person. Exactly right. Next up in episode 521 is Errol Toker. Errol's the founder and CEO of Truly. And in this episode, we talk about one of my favorite topics, which is sales productivity and how everyone measures it incorrectly and what a difference it would make to sellers if we accurately measured productivity. I mean, I totally agree with you. Uh, <laughs> I think there are a lot of things going, as I said, from the, from the first bit, um, there's a lot going on in sales right now. And uh, productivity is about understanding input and output. And so... Uh, the first thing that we do when we go into a customer organization uh, and, you know, customer success is our, is our, is our lifeblood. I mean, uh, that's a really big thing for us as a company is from the very beginning, even though we were a tech company, we looked more like a consulting company our first two years because we said uh, in this DNA, it's about selling outcomes, not product. And right. So let's start with the outcome and work our way backwards. And so when you're talking about that with a, with a prospect early on, right, it's uh it's, there's, it's very, it's, it's very interesting. It kind of, if you can get them to open the kimono and talk to you a little bit, you can tell that there's short-term goals, mid-term goals, long-term question marks, and they don't really know what they're starting from, from an outcome perspective that success looks like. So if that's where you're starting, the idea of measuring input to a, an output we don't understand is impossible, right? right? That's all productivity is input output matching. So I think it's squishy for many, many, uh, many reasons. We may not cover, we probably won't cover them all in this segment, but uh, I think that that's where it starts with is uh, inputs are one thing, but I think increasingly people are less clear on what the outs, outputs will be in this new sales economy, right? In this new economy where right. sales is not about just dialing more, but about doing real uh, hardcore solution selling. Well, and that's, Right. So I think that sort of starts as sort of a baseline is that right now you look at, gosh, you go to the websites, people selling sales tech and sales automation and, you know, tools to help sales. And the word productivity is thrown around pretty casually, but it's, it's basically, you know, synonym for activity, mm -hmm. right? We're going to increase your productivity, meaning we're going to be able to make more calls, send more emails, which aren't related to outcomes at all. 
Yeah. And well, another, another thing is when we think about it, right. Um, there is, uh, it, it's very clear that there's only so much activity is doing for you when everybody is kind of increasing the order of magnitude of that activity every five years. So, you know, we went from one-on-one emails to, you know, uh, 10 to hundred emails a day with mail merge to now Marketo level email sending from, from, from reps. I mean, is there any better <laughs> indication that maybe things are not quite working <laughs> from the productivity side than, than order of magnitude changes like that? In episode 522, I spoke with Roy Ranani, founder and CEO of Chorus.ai. In this episode, Roy and I had a very interesting conversation about AI, artificial intelligence, and sales, where it's going, where it's being used today, and what it'll be used for in the future. Now, be sure to check out the entire conversation on iTunes or at my website at andypaul.com. Yeah, so you know, just to give a little bit of context overall, um, we have over half a million conversations that have been analyzed by Chorus. And one of the things that we like to do is see if we can find some patterns that are you know, more broadly applicable uh, mm-hmm. across different customers. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm a big believer that every buyer is different, every buyer's journey is different, every sale is different. So I try not to paint things with broad brushes. But um, given how important discovery was, you know, it was... We, we started with the talk to listen ratio, which, you know, everybody, I think at, at this point, we know, like, hey, it should be a pretty balanced conversation. There's no rocket science there. Um, but what our customers were asking us was, well, telling a rep that they have a bad talk to listen ratio isn't actionable. Um, because what you need to do is help them figure out, well, how do they get better? Right. How do they mm-hmm. how do they improve their talk to listen ratio? And obviously it comes down to questions. Right. And so we got really curious about, well, what, what could we discover if we looked into the types of questions that people ask during discovery uh, and demo meetings? Um, and so we looked at that. And, and what we found was it was a couple of things. The first one was that although there's a, a broad distribution, on average, a sales rep asks about nine questions before they get into the demo. On Frontline Friday this week, that's episode 523 with my usual guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget and I talked about resilience, learning how to cope with the inevitable ups and downs that happen in sales and in life. You really want to check this out. So, Bridget, how are you today? You know the answer. I'm doing fantastic. That's why I, why I got the name. Perfect. That's why I got the name. Fantastic. Fantastic. Life is good. No complaints. No complaints at all? No complaints at all. Wow. Somebody, somebody, uh, one of the reps gave me a book this week. I'd already read it, but um, I keep it on my desk. Mm -hmm. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, and I don't swear really, but it begins with an F. And not giving, okay, yeah. I keep it as a reminder. The basic premise of the book, I don't know if you're familiar with it, is there are things. There are things that are worth really getting uptight over and stressing about and mm-hmm. giving an F-U-C-K about, and there are things that aren't. And it, it, typically the things that are, are relationships and health and family and purpose, mm-hmm. not some of the other things. So it's a good, it's a great, it's a great reminder. So no, I don't have any complaints. I've got, uh, I have a really good, I have a really good life. Well, I I think people, you know, we've seen other books, similar topics, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. I forget who wrote yeah, that. But, same thing. Same. But, you don't even need to read the book. Yeah. Just know by the title, right? Yeah. But it's, it is a good lesson because 
Yeah, sales is a profession where it's sort of easy to fall in the trap of obsessing, worrying overly much about performance and results because it's right staring you in the face every day. I mean, every 30 or 31 days, the, the tabulation rolls back to zero and you have to do it all over again. And yeah, I can remember certainly at various parts of my career, I remember my first management job uh, as about, I don't know, <laughs> I was young, but I was maybe three months into it. And I was managing a team of, gosh, I don't know, 13, 14 people at that point in time. And yeah, I remember going to the doctor, I wasn't feeling well. Like I had, my blood pressure was like through the roof. You know, I was 23 years old and, and it was developing high blood pressure. And that was like, a, for me, it was a huge, a huge wake-up call. Not that I stopped worrying completely cold turkey at that point, but certainly in terms of, yeah, you can't, can't live like this all the time. Yeah, and I think this, the process of letting go to some of the, the outcomes, you know, you, got, you, you do the best you can and some of you have to let, you have to let go of, I think it's a, that's a process. I don't think it's, I don't think you read a book and suddenly change. I don't think you go to a class and suddenly change. I, I think it's just a process. It's hard. And especially like you said, in sales where the measure it's, it's as if you're the measure of your worth and your value is, it's calculated every 30, it's the number it's every (laughs) 30 days. It gets calculated. Um, so I try to remind myself that things, hence my superpower name, mm-hmm. that things are fantastic. Things are fantastic. And there's a lot of, I don't have any big issues that I'm wrestling with. And I think that in and of itself, that's a big gift. Finally, we wrapped up the week with episode 524 with my guest, Allison Graham. Allison's a sales consultant, executive coach, and author of a book called Married my mom, birthed a dog, how to be resilient when life sucks. And that's what we talked about, resilience in the face of adversity. Okay, well, this is, uh, now, if you could see me right now, you, and I hope you can hear it, the smile on my face, because you're right, I love, love, love talking about this. And there's a reason, because I spent uh, 10 years, my first 10 years in my business, teaching people how to drive top-line revenue. Okay, how do we get sales? How do we get in front of decision-makers? And, you know, successful uh, to, you know, not obviously to my full degree, but enough that I really enjoyed it. But what people didn't see was what was happening behind the scenes. And I believe that we're all playing a life-size game of whack-a-mole, right? Swatting down one problem just in time for another to erupt. And then, you know, we're doing this and then we go to a sales meeting, we put a smile on our face or we post on social media. And of course, we never post our horrible moments, we post our great moments. And I reached a certain level in my business. And I always wanted to write this book, there's a joke, and it's the book title, that's called Married My Mom, Birthed a Dog, How to Be Resilient When Life Sucks. And it was based on my decade of hell of, you know, in and out of the hospital. And I had a surgery that went wrong and caused pain and was told to go on uh, disability. And I said, no way, I can't do that. And so 
I, I called my mom and asked her to come into town and she used to chauffeur me around. And anyway, it, it's a fun story, but I think it's so real. because <laughs> A decade of hell is a fun story. <laughs> well, you know, the married my mom birth the dog part is, um, no, it, well, it is. It actually is a very funny book, I'm told, and and I like to see the lighter side of things. But I think we're all going through something, whether it's grief or you know, through this, I had eight injuries, like breaks or tears or with follow up surgeries. So, I, I, you know, but yet we don't talk about it, and I don't want to talk about it from a perspective of oh my gosh, what a victim. Right. Like, oh, I can't sell today because, you know, my mom is sick or I've got a boo boo or, you know, I've got something really serious going on in my life. And I don't want to do that because I believe that there are moments when, you know, stuff is going to come at us from the proverbial fan and it is going to blow on high. And we have a choice. You can either become a victim or you can become, as I've coined it, the resiliency ninja. And essentially what that means is you are you know, stepping into your full potential, your full success, no matter what challenges are flying at you. And, you know, especially with sales, like think about it, Andy, with when people are like low, like they don't have a sales quota, like there's a form of a challenge that's coming at you. You're not meeting your quota you're not going to pay your bills this month. You're really stressed. Well, if you can't deal with that and process it and bounce back even faster, that is going to influence your ability to sell on the other side. So that's what I wanted to deal with. I wanted to figure out for people, how do you, what are the tools to be able to bounce back and then still succeed no matter what? Thanks again for joining us until next week on Accelerate Expresso. This is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. So that's it, friends. Another excellent week of Accelerate, the world's best sales podcast. Please take 30 seconds right now. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review. I personally want to know what I can do to make this an even more valuable resource for you. For our regular listeners, I'll see you bright and early Monday morning. For everyone else, we'll see you again back here next week. Until then, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Good selling, everyone.